You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Hi, everyone. This is Greg Alexander, the host of the ProServe podcast, brought to you by Collective 54, the first community dedicated to founders of small service firms that are trying to grow, scale, and someday sell their boutiques. On this episode, we're going to talk about designing sales compensation plans inside of the boutique professional services firm, which is quite an interesting challenge. And uh, we have a member with us today who's an expert in this area. His name is John Carney. John, please introduce yourself and your firm to the community. Great. Thanks for having me, Greg. Uh, Again, my name is John Carney. Um, Happy to be a member of Collective 54. Um, I am the founder and CEO of a company called The Buyer's Way. Uh, We're a go-to-market advisory focused on helping CEOs and growth leaders consistently grow revenue. So The Buyer's Way is a methodology. It's a book that uh, is out that can be found on Amazon. Uh, And it's a methodology for ensuring go-to-market teams are aligned to how buyers think, act, and feel. Um, It does this by uh, aligning a story, uh, the story of our buyer as a hero with a revenue plan. So it's got both of you know, the emotional ties to it, as well as the hard numbers driven approach to it. Cool. So uh, that's a, that's a little bit about the firm. All right. So let, let me set this up for John and for the audience. So we're talking about designing sales comp plans. And for the boutique ProServe firm owner, what ends up happening is, you know, the three life cycle stages of a firm, grow, scale, and exit is what we talk about in our framework. And in the growth stage, there usually isn't an independent commercial sales organization. Selling is done by the founders, and it's very much a um, collective activity of many people. Then you graduate out of the growth stage, you go into the scale stage, so you're probably in year six through six through ten, and the firms of significant size at this point, and you want other people, other than the founders and the partners to be selling and bringing in work. And that can be either through expansion revenue of current clients as well as bringing in new clients. So now all of a sudden you have these people who are full-time employees doing something else and you're adding the task of selling to them. So how do you pay these people? As you can see, it gets really complicated. Then as you move into the exit stage, beginning in year 10 or 11 or so, here you want you know a fully developed sales organization these are non-billable resources who wake up every day thinking about doing one thing, and that's generating revenue. And in that instance, designing sales comp plans is pretty straightforward because the role is pretty straightforward, and you know what type of behavior that you want to incent. But, you know, that's well down the road, you know, two-thirds of the way through the entrepreneurial journey. So it becomes much more difficult to do this in the growth and scale stage. So it's that as a context that I want to have this conversation with John. So John, let, let's dive into that first step of the life cycle stage of a boutique, the growth stage. So maybe start with the fundamentals of, of sales comp. Like, is there a set of best practices or an easy to understand framework or methodology that one can follow? Sure. Yeah. I mean, especially in that, in that first phase, you know, there's a few things that, um, you know, those, those founders and founders to be, um, or, or partners to be rather um, really care most about, and that is equity. And can they 
sell enough to the point where you feel comfortable as uh, a founder to share your equity with those that are contributing, um, you know, from a sales and growth standpoint. And that should take some time. Um, a lot of times, you know, you're bringing in, uh, you know, potential partners that um, you can help you in that area. And that what they care most about is, you know, the long-term future. So, so of course, there's always the equity side of things. Um, from a compensation standpoint, I think a few things to keep in mind are, um, you know, to incent upon, uh, you know, profit margin to keep it simple and to have no cap. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's, you know, the revenue side is obviously critical to growth, um, but we want to make sure we're selling uh, profitable uh, opportunities, especially in professional services where, you know, the, the people side of things is such a big component of uh, of. Uh, the cost here. So I want to make sure that we're not just selling any deal, but that we're selling the right deals uh, in a profitable way. So I think when it comes to those, uh, to founders, um, to potential partners, as you're trying to get through those first few years, um, those are a few of the standard things to think through. So let's talk about incenting on margin, because not a lot of our members are doing this. They're They're paying incentive comp to people performing the sales function on revenue. And the reason for that is most of them are first-time founders, and more often than not, they came to us from a product company. And product companies pay on revenue, they don't pay on margin, so they're, that's their frame of reference and they think that's the way to do it. But in services, to John's point, you know, especially for you, the founder, you know, as they say, you can't eat revenue. You can eat profits. Profits is what puts steaks in the refrigerator and pays the bills. So therefore, aligning the compensation plan to profit versus re revenue is, is really hard. Um, so, John, this concept of on-target earnings, the split between salary and variable, and then tying the variable to a small number of measures, one of which we just talked about regarding profit, is, uh, is essential. So how does a founder determine... OTE or on-target earnings, what somebody should make in a given year? Yeah, so uh, I think it's a few of the key things are what what's market-based pay, you know, what uh, what can they get elsewhere, uh, and what does the entire OTE include? Like, again, there could be some equity involved in that calculation. Um, but I think, you know, obviously we need to know what we're competing against in the market <clears throat> and what the long-term uh, equity options are. You know, some folks are going to be willing to you know, take substantially less and potentially work on 100% commission uh, if that is their intention is is to enter a partnership track, um, you know, coming in, eating what they kill, bringing in clients from day one uh, in order to hit that. So I think that's, you know, that's a big uh, a part of that is, you know, a majority of that, uh, the compensation being tied to um, to the variable side of things. As you, you know, especially as cash is is coming in the door, and we can compensate a little more uh, on the, the the on the salary side. I think getting to a 50-50 split, uh, where you know we're always going to be incenting that performance and and setting that OTE uh, based on that variable, but again without a cap. So if we if you continue to perform and hit those profit goals, then um, you know there's there's endless potential there. So I think you know especially getting in early. Um, you know, finding the right people that are going to hustle for you, that are going to help you grow this and are willing, uh, you know, and showing that they're willing to invest early in order to be a part of that reward at the end. 
you know, I think that's what, you know, one of the big important things to be focused on um, with those in that in those early days. Yep. All right. So let's progress into the scale stage, you know, so now, you know, I'm a, I don't want to say a mature firm, but I'm certainly not worried about going out of business. I've got enough working capital in the business to start, you know, investing in sales and marketing. But my approach here is going to be to, you know, get my, quote, delivery people to do some selling on the side. And incenting that, it can be really challenging because you're asking uh, people to divide their time, divide their labor. So what type of uh, items, as it relates to sales comp, should a founder be thinking about in that context? You know, so, I mean, again, it's going to, here it's going to depend on the role um, and how you set up We'll, we'll we'll first call a sales team and then a, a, a wider revenue generating team. I mean, if we've got a new logo sales team, well, all they're out there doing is pounding the pavement and bringing in those new logos. And then typically um, we're going to see that account management team, which is where we get that blend of delivery and sales. Um, and so, you know, we have to consider those separately in terms of, you know, how to compensate them on the new logo side. It's pretty straightforward. It's a commission-based role, uh, and we want them going out and, and finding those new customers. They are salespeople. They're ready to be compensated uh, in that way. That's what they're here to do. But that sales team is not the only part of your revenue-generating engine, especially, I mean, we're not, to your point, they're not going out of, we're not at risk of going out of business, but we still need to grow. And we still, especially if we want uh, you know, our team to stay intact as it is, we need that team to, you know, everybody on the team to be thinking about how they can put on their revenue generating hat. So delivery resources, who depending on the type of professional services firm we're talking about, may be used to um, having variable pay and having some sort of revenue generating component to their compensation. There's plenty that don't. Um, however, what we what we try to uh, to train on and to make sure that everyone that touches the buyer has an impact on revenue. So everyone that goes out and delivers is uh, a part of this revenue generating engine in some ways. And so that you know the the metrics that we uh, that we hold them to and the measures that we hold them to are again going to vary by role. Um, but of course, um, you know, there's there's retention. There's can we keep these clients coming back? Um, can we sell them more and increase the book of business that we're doing with them? But even short of that, if you just think about delivery resources, can they generate referrals within the account? Can they go out and find more people within the account um, that we don't know today? Potentially new buying centers, potentially within this buying center. Can we find, uh, can we you know, send referrals back to the sales team? Even if these delivery resources don't like to close, can they find people? Can they find evidence that a problem, a pain point that needs a painkiller exists? Delivery people are usually really good at finding problems that exist within a client. So can we train them to find that evidence? Can the account management team uh, you know the, the sellers can they say here's five hypotheses i have for growth within this account please go find me that evidence and if you can find me that evidence you know i will compensate you on that and bring you into that and then of course you know any delivery resource making you know putting them in a position uh and this is you know i've, I've been in sales i've been in delivery and some of my favorite experiences are when 
you know, I've been, you know, on the delivery side and have, you know, grown those accounts and and been compensated for those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even as a delivery resource, you know, we all have to, uh, if we want job security, you know, showing that we are uh, on the uh, revenue side of uh, the equation and not simply a, a, a cost is imperative to our uh, future growth. So it's, it is about finding those things, referrals, finding evidence, um, you know, growing your network. Um, that is something where if we think about social reach, we think about various ways that uh, any resource can get the message of the firm out more. You know, can we can we compensate or put spiffs or put uh, targets around things like how many subscribers do we are we generating um, into the newsletter? How many connections do I have on LinkedIn? So when I share the, the firm's message, I'm getting out there to the widest possible audience. So those are the little things that anyone in the delivery side, um, and even within you know customer success things of that nature, where we can you know be looking for anything that drives value for the client, any touch point, and, and finding what that is and compensating for it. So earlier we were talking about new logo acquisition salespeople. You suggested paying them commissions. Um, this uh, aspect of it, which is on the account management side, do you also suggest commissions, or is it a, more of a bonus structure? Um, I think for the account managers, there can be a commission component of that. I think there. Uh, I, I don't like more than two measures, but I think having one based on commission for those account managers um, is important. Um, you know, and, and and then of course, um, you know, the bonus, and especially. Uh, on the account management side and knowing what your book of business is and when renewals are falling off, um, you know, bonuses can help simplify things uh, um, at certain points. But I do think having a commission for that account management side as one of their uh, measures um, is is a good practice. But if they're not closers, how do you pay commission? Well, in this case, what I'm referring to, these account managers do end up closing the okay, deal. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yep, I was, I was the, misunderstanding. The upsell, the yeah. renewal, yeah. Yeah, okay, got it. All right, and then you, you suggested on the new logo side roughly a 50-50 split between uh, salary and commission, you know, when the firm gets to a certain level of uh, maturity. On the account management side, is it the same split or is it different? Um, no, I'd say it's more 80-20, um, depending on how risk-averse you are. Um, but I would, I, with these types of roles, I wouldn't go, um, I wouldn't, um, reduce the variable any, any further than that, because we do want, you know, all of these folks to realize that they, they are revenue generating resources. Um, but I've also seen, um, and, and understand a lot of organizations want to over incent even still. And so it could be 70, 30, but I think 80, 20 on those types of roles is standard. Yep. And you mentioned market-based pay. So if I'm a member listening to this and I agree with that principle, and I need to find out what the going rate is for a new logo rep in my geography or an account manager in my geography. Any resources that you would point a founder to? I mean, I think Glassdoor comes out with some information. LinkedIn ha- comes out with some f- information. Sometimes you have to pay a little bit for uh, for that information, but I think there's enough out there um, in any given territory, in any given location, where you can get to a sense of what that is. Um, I think asking other members of a collective like this um, is is one of the main benefits of a collective like this mm-hmm. is seeing what are we, um, you know, what is, what are we, what is everyone else in this market uh, seeing or in this industry? Um, so I think 
you know, going out to your peers, um, maybe not your competitors necessarily, but uh, others within the professional services firm and find out what they're paying. But I think there is a, enough data out there to at least get a range, yeah. um, track the candidates and then, you know, negotiate with those uh, individuals and, and find out if, if they're worth, you know, the side of the range they think they're on. All right. Well, very good. Well, we're out of our time. I mean, we try to keep these podcasts about 15 minutes and then John will be on the one hour role model Q and a with the, um, with the members and members can ask more detailed questions directly of him. But John, this is the first time that you've been on our podcast. So welcome to the collective. Thanks for making a contribution back to the collective knowledge. And, and we look forward to your upcoming session. Great. Thanks for having me and looking forward to that session and meeting with more folks. All right. All right. So three calls to action for those that are listening. You know, if you're a member, attend John's session, keep your eyes open for the meeting invites coming shortly. If you're not a member, you want to become one, go to collective54.com and fill out an application. We'll reach out to you. And if you're not quite ready for that, but you just want to learn more about the types of things we discussed, check out my book, The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm, which you can find on Amazon. But uh, that's the end of the show. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck as you try to grow, scale, and sell your firm.